Allison, I I have terrible news. Oh, oh no, what happened? Are you okay? I didn't think of an intro for this episode. Oh, I'm glad it wasn't that your butt exploded because, man, that would be terrible. No, I would bring a different level of energy to that. If that were what was happening right now, it, the energy would be a little different. The I'd be a little more active, a little louder, a little higher pitched. Okay, um, okay. My foot did explode, though, but that's that's a minor thing. Okay. We can deal with that later. Okay. As long as we can uh, get, like, around to it at some point, I feel like that might be something that we need to address, but... Um, um it doesn't feel that important. I mean, I'm not using it right now. I'm sitting down. Okay. So. We're, we're fine, then. Yeah, low, low urgency, I think, uh, personally. But part of the reason I didn't actually come up with any <laughs> this one is because what I'm about to talk about is pretty general. It is, uh, as as we'll we'll talk about pretty quickly here, uh, this game was sort of born out of a want to generalize what was once a specific thing and kind of make it a little more generic. Um, and it's actually something I have talked about before. I've mentioned this pretty explicitly in two episodes recently where I mm-hmm. talked about Deadlands, a, a tabletop RPG uh, that was published a while ago. I want to say 1996. And then more recently, there was Pokemans, which is built off of what I'm about to talk about as well. Um, and we that, that was another fun episode of ours. And it was based off of the same thing. Uh, I've mentioned it a couple times now. The game I'm about to talk about is called Savage World. Uh, It is an engine for tabletop RPGs, but it is fleshed out enough that it is also its own larger, more general and generic game. And Hmm. that is tied to its history a little bit. Okay. It was designed by Shane Lacey Hensley, which if I remember correctly, is also one of the actual credits on Deadlands. Yeah, Shane Lacey Hensley. Um, And that name comes up uh, in in the history of Savage Worlds a lot. Um, The the original version of it was published back in 2003. The current, I believe, edition of it, the Savage Worlds Adventure Edition, or Suede, which is a lot of fun to say, was Mm. released in 2018. But the history of it is that it was actually born out of a miniatures war game uh, pulled from Deadlands from that specific setting, because I believe I don't I'm pretty confident I mentioned this in the Deadlands episode, but that was published back in 1996. So those of you who were paying attention would have already caught this this general game that it is sort of based on was published afterwards, which is not generally how you think of that kind of thing. It's not how you think of an engine for a series of games set in different worlds. But that's exactly what this was in 2003. Actually, I believe in like the late, late 90s, there was this uh, miniatures game based on Deadlands that came out, and it was more focused on combat than the original Deadlands was back in the day, where that was more of a traditional role-playing game. Mm -hmm. This one brought more combat elements into it. 
And then in 2003, the designer took that and expanded it and made it uh, kind of broke it out of the Deadlands setting and made it a more basic rule set that many different settings could use. And that took the form of the original Savage Worlds, which that year it went and won Gamer's Choice Award in the RPG category at Origins Game Fair, which is a pretty big um, tabletop game fair like convention. And it immediately took off from there. Immediately there were all these new expansions and people were giving it great reviews and things like that. And that's sort of how it's grown. There have been several different editions of it since then. I had a list pulled up. There are so many great names for all the different versions of them that have come up throughout the years. Mm. Um, It's now published by Pinnacle Entertainment Group, who also publish a lot of the settings and more specific books that take place in this system. Mm -hmm. But they all they all start with the same base. That's really cool. And I, I think that's one thing I really like about this game is that it is, you know, it is a game, but it is also a base for so many other games. And that sort of proves how flexible it is and how many different things you can do with it. That's really neat. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I mean, you you listen back to both of those episodes, I believe back on, in episode 24, we talked about Pokemans. And then later in episode 30, I may have gotten that backwards. I don't take notes very well and I'm terrible <laughs> with numbers, but one of those numbers was for one and one of those numbers was for the other. Go listen to them both. We're proud of the things we made earlier. Yay. So go, go check them out. I still um, want to play Pokemans. That's like yes. one of my, one of my dream TTRPGs right now. I've tried every single DM. I know I've talked to about like, Hey, can we play this? And like, I only know how to do DMD D and D. I'm like, I, oh, that's I, such a shame. It's an, mm, I just want to play this game. I want to play Pokemans. Yeah. I would I would actually encourage anyone who's only played D&D to give this system a try. I mean, Deadlands and Pokemans are about the furthest you can get from each <laughs> other setting-wise. One is this, you know, Old West horror spooky-themed game that came out in the 90s. And the other one is based on this bright, cheery Pokemon cartoon. They're, they couldn't be farther from how they work, and yet they both work very well under this engine. And, and that's, that's mainly what I'm going to dig into today. Mm-hmm. The, the basics of it, again, I've gone over some of this before in those earlier episodes, but the core of it is you are using these different, there's the, the D4, D6, D8, D10, D12, and D20, all these different dice with the, the different number of sides to them that represent the different traits you have and traits is a general word that encompasses both your your core you know however many five i think maybe five or six different core truths there are about you how strong you are how fast you are how smart you are and then that also encompasses specific abilities that use those traits and you add a little bit to it so maybe you're fairly strong but you're really good at punching so there's a, those are two different traits you have that are all represented by different sizes of die. Hmm. And the, the general way you tackle things in this game is that when you're presented with a challenge, you will roll whatever die you have that represents whatever skill you're using. And then you'll also roll a wild die, which is a D6. That is a core mechanic 
of this game that it uses to basically give all players an edge because creatures, things you'll be fighting, enemies, uh, villains also have these dice that you roll and they can also i mean they're rolling on about the same level they're also rolling from a d4 to a d12 most of the time Mm -hmm. so they could pretty easily you would be about evenly matched in most cases but the wild die gives you and and the players at the table and some of the enemies you encounter but not most of them a little leg up on everything else which is i think a really elegant way to do that so you, you'll roll both of those dice and you'll take whichever one's higher and use that to usually you're trying to just meet or beat a four. Sometimes that number will be different. Sometimes it'll have different penalties or bonuses, depending on what you're doing, what advantages you have. But you're you're never really dealing with super high numbers, which is another reason I would recommend this game for people who have only played D&D is the numbers in this game are pretty easy to wrap your head around. Mm. That sounds that sounds actually quite nice. Uh, to sounds like it would be a lot easier to manage than some other systems that I've definitely heard about. Of like, I know that a lot of people, a lot of the people I know, and this is actually going to upset you, uh, who have only played D anD D. Whenever I mention other systems, so then they're like, I tried Pathfinder once, but it was just so much, and I got so lost. I just it wasn't for me. I was like. That I can understand that perspective of like Pathfinder being a little bit too much more, but this doesn't seem like it would be like much more difficult to understand than D and D. Yes, as as much as I do personally love Pathfinder, I mean that that was one of the first things I talked about on this show. So yeah. uh, it's a it's a great game to me personally, but at the same time, it definitely moves in the more complicated direction from D and D. It yeah. in my mind makes a little more sense, but it it definitely loses a lot of people from how complicated it is. Yeah. This game, I would say, moves in the opposite direction. It's different for sure, but mm-hmm. it is a little bit easier to wrap your head around if you're playing a game for the first time. Um, It's also really neat because the way you draw initiative instead of rolling initiative like you do in D&D where you roll a D20 in this game, if you start a combat or a tense situation, you just deal cards to everyone, which is something that almost everyone understands intuitively. It's something that's really easy to explain to people. And it also makes it a little more fun. You're drawing cards. You have a tactile thing that you're handing around to people. It gets people drawn into that beginning of this encounter a little bit more. And that's that's just something that I think works really elegantly in this system as well. That's super cool. Yeah. The other neat thing about this game is that your dice can explode. Oh. Yeah. Like your foot? Yes, exactly. Your butt? Uh, well, not my butt yet. Mm. That's foreshadowing. That that comes later. That comes okay, in the sequel. Cool, cool, cool. I'll yeah, exactly. Bring it up later. Um, that's actually kind of neat. Uh, yes. What does it mean when your dice explodes? Is that just yeah, like so you can't I, use that no more? I, I realized you said that's pretty neat before you before I explained <laughs> what that meant. <laughs> um, On the website armello.fandom.com, they say explode. When rolling dice in combat, the term explode is used to describe an outcome that, in addition to whatever hey. it normally does, automatically grants a bonus. Hey, Google. Hey, Google. Hey, Google. Link in your Google. I'm doing a <laughs> podcast. Stop. 
<laughs> Google, I'm making podcast over here. You can't be doing that. She was trying to tell me what. <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> Here's the thing, though, is that Google did absolutely nail it and explain <laughs> it before I got the chance to. Well, I hope the fucking listeners could hear that. Oh, yeah. my God. Oh, I heard it loud and clear. I'm sure it came through. <laughs> oh, my God. Oh, can you repeat that? Because I didn't catch it. I was so panicked with the fact that she was talking in the middle of the podcast. I thought there I was someone to- standing in my room with me listening and saying, oh, this is what... I got the hiccups from that. I'll have to remember to mute that in the future. (laughs) Oh, God. I've never, never, what, like 70 episodes of podcasting has never been a problem. She's been there the whole time. Uh, I very genuinely have the hiccups. It's going to be impossible to talk. Okay. (laughs) Oh, no. Um, but yes, in this context, uh, exploding does mean that when you roll a die and you get the maximum value of it, like say I roll a mm-hmm. D4 and I hit a four, I can roll it again and add more to it. Okay, cool. So yeah, in theory, you can roll as high a number as you can think of. If you roll 18 fours in a row on one single skill check, you roll it again and see if you hit a 19 uh, number of fours. I don't know what 19 times four is. What do I look like? A calculator? Um, it's uh, just shy of 80. So it'd be like what? Uh, 76. I believe you because I still am not a calculator. Um, okay, however, I'm more of a calculator than you. That wasn't even that fast. I, I'm so, I'm so bad with numbers. I'm so <laughs> bad about it. I, I was a physics major before I went to game school. So I, I, I was an engineer and that's why I'm not an engineer. Now. <laughs> um, no, aren't but, you supposed to be yeah. on the codes? <laughs> I, the coding is not numbers. Coding is logic. That's different. There's numbers involved. There's like the computer does the numbers for you. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Uh, yeah, all you just all coding is, is just making different kinds of calculator. Listen, I get concepts. I just can't do the math behind them. And that's why I hire Google to do it for me. Hi, Google. Don't talk to her. She'll yell at you. <sighs> I, was, I was hoping she'd come back. No. I, I mean, I can make her if you want me to. <laughs> yeah. Is she is, is she busy later or what's... Hey, Google, what's her, what are you doing what's, later? What's her deal? I was just catching up on the day's top headlines. I'm a bit of a news hound. <laughs> was that your real dog? No, that was Google. <laughs> it was all her. All right, well, Google's into some stuff that we won't dig into right now, but um, <laughs> hit me up later and we'll we'll talk about that. Um, but getting back to this tabletop RPG... Oh, my God. Oh, goodness. Um, This this game, in theory, you can roll an infinitely high number. But of course, that's not how probability works. But it it. just it it lets you it it gives you less of an upper bound. And sometimes if you're in a really tough situation, you can still find a way out of it by having a really lucky roll, which is nice. Nice. Yeah, that that does sound like it would be kind of. Uh, basically just like praying to the heart of the cards or the heart of your dice to like make yeah. make actually work for you. But uh, that does sound like it would be, it would be really nice for like 
I can see that like explosive moment of joy whenever like that that role comes up and you're like, oh, I I need to do this thing, but that skill check's only like a D4 for me, and I need to roll like three fours in a row. And then you do it and you're like, oh my God, and everything goes crazy. Like that that sounds dope as hell. Absolutely. In fact, I have a story about that that I'll get to in a little bit that happened to me personally in a game I was running. That's awesome. Yeah. The the process of creating a character in this game is pretty nice as well. In addition to there's a little system for choosing your traits. You have a certain number of times you can level up your die in a certain uh, attribute or in a, a certain skill. And then you you have chances later to advance and increase those little bits and pieces. But the only real other thing that you have to do besides choosing your basic numbers in character creation is choose your edges and your hindrances, which I believe I talked about in both times we covered games that were run in the system before. They Mm -hmm. are little characteristics, little bonuses and detractors that you tack onto your character that say, hey, in these circumstances, you get this extra added ability. But in these circumstances, you're at a disadvantage because your character has this sort of flaw. Usually those are packaged into archetypes like in Deadlands, but they can also just be individually selected and sort of balanced out, um, which is the way Pokemans handles it. And that's the way the the core book here, the the just standard Savage Worlds uh, role playing game book, which I actually have sitting here in front of me as I, I talk about it. You can nice. hear the. Ooh, it has some good, that's some good audio right there. Oh, absolutely. That's some ASMR. Um, mm-hmm. But you, you don't have any prepackaged archetypes or classes or anything like that unless you want to include them in the way you run the game. And when you, you rank up basically just when the person running the game decides to, there's a little guideline in the rules where you can say, hey, if you want to make a quick game, you can level up every or you can rank up rather every time you sit down and play. Or if you really want to move faster, just have a one shot, you can rank up in the middle of the game or in the middle of the session. But if you want to take it a little bit slower and a little more methodical, you can do every two or maybe three if you want to make it last for years, uh, uh, that many sessions. Or you can just do it based on when the characters accomplish something notable in the game, you rank up mm-hmm. then. Okay. And every time you rank up, you get the chance to add an edge to your character or remove a minor hindrance or just increase one of your different traits. And so it's it's granular to some extent. You get much more control over what parts of your character you grow than you do in, say, D&D, where you mm-hmm. sort of choose your skills and then they just level up on their own over time. But you also you don't have that much to juggle. You have a couple different things that you can say, oh, I want to bump that up. Or you can look through the catalog of new abilities you can gain and just say, hey, I want that one. That one seems like it fits my character. And that's about as complicated as that gets. Okay, it's actually really not that bad. Yeah, it's it. the, The thing about this game is it can kind of get as complicated as you want. There are additional rules for everything, but it's also not that difficult to just take a one page. Uh, Pinnacle Entertainment Group has published several quote unquote test drives 
where you get a, a streamlined version of the rules and just sit down for a single page, single session adventure. And that's that's just as much fun as any long form way of approaching this game. But you oh, can wow. you can get as much into it as you want or you can leave it as streamlined as you want. And it's still fun no matter how you approach it. I I mean this with all the kindness in my heart that I can give to all of the uh, DMs in my life. I need Uh-oh. more adventurous DMs in my life. Because <laughs> <laughs> um, this sounds like so much fun. I want to play Pokemon so bad. Yes. But also like just all the other systems that are based off of or all the other games based off of this system. Um sound like a blast like this just sounds like it would be really fun and easy to play and sit down for like just a little bit or a long bit to just really enjoy this but uh yeah just if if you play ttrpgs and you've only ever played dungeons and dragons maybe just maybe just maybe (laughs) check out some other stuff because there's some really cool things out there that i genuinely think that if you don't look at it, you're just missing out because it's it's cool out over there. Like they, mm-hmm. they got cool they got cool stuff. Yeah. I don't know if you've been outside recently, but it's pretty hot. I've been trying to be more active, but to do that in this heat, I need to stay hydrated. That's where Liquid IV comes in. Liquid IV hydrates two times faster than water alone, and with three times the electrolytes of traditional sports drinks, I can replace what I sweat out. I struggle to drink water, but with so many flavors, it's hard to get tired of Liquid IV. My favorite flavors have to be strawberry lemonade and lemon lime. Made with premium ingredients and free of gluten, dairy, and soy, Liquid IV is perfect for the summer heat. I hope you love it as much as I do. Get 20% off when you go to liquidiv.com and use promo code YSPTG at checkout. Again, that's 20% off anything you order when you shop Better Hydration today using code YSPTG at checkout at liquidiv.com. Yeah, I will say I think another thing about this game is that it's it's pretty fast and loose combat wise. Uh, I think it provides a lot of that sort of fast, pulpy action adventure sort of combat that a lot of people want from D&D. And when D&D is at its best, it does provide a good amount of that. But sometimes you can get really bogged down in turn order and the, the language of certain actions and extra abilities and things like that where most Savage Worlds games that I've played just didn't have that issue. You you basically just draw cards and count up around the table and see, hey, who's who's got the next highest number? They go next. You just have your movement and an action. And then if you want to try to take several different actions in a turn, you get a little penalty to it. But... There's not so much, you don't get bonus actions or anything like that. You don't have to worry about limited reactions and things. It keeps that kind of simple for you. And most of your actions are going to be making an attack, casting a spell, making some kind of skill check or interaction. Mm-hmm. And the the target number, again, doesn't usually raise that much. It usually stays around a four and then you modify that. 
So mm-hmm. it's not very difficult to wrap your head around and it, it keeps things moving quickly and damage and, and sort of the way you manage health also reflects that as well. You don't have hit points really. You, I mean, you, you could kind of describe them as hit points, but mm-hmm. you're not having to keep track of, Oh, this does 12 damage to me. Now I have 52 left. You just have three wounds. Everybody has them. Every player has them. Sometimes I believe there are edges that'll give you more that you can take, but there are there are always specifics that can modify the, the general rules here. But usually you will have three wounds you can take. And if you take damage from an attack, you will be shaken. And that basically means you're at a little bit of a disadvantage. You got nicked or you got bruised or you got like shaken up and stirred. And then if you are shaken and take more damage, you will take a wound. And depending on how much damage you took, if you took a massive amount, you'll probably get more than one wound with one attack, things like that. But it's it's pretty difficult to wound someone several times with a single turn. And that keeps things kind of limited to, okay, well, I'm running around. I hit this person once. They're hurt somewhat. I hit this person again. They're hurt a little bit more. I hit them one more time. They're close to being incapacitated. And then once you move past three wounds, which give you penalties, the more and more you get. So you're kind of wearing people down as you attack them or you're getting worn down as you get more hurt. Then at that point, you incapacitate them and they they may die. Then they may not. You have sort of a death saving throw like you do in D&D, but it's much more low numbers. Very, very easy to just sort of say, hey, I'm kind of hurt or I'm really badly hurt, we're moving on. You don't have to track a whole ton of, oh, well, since I'm a a tank or since I'm a barbarian, I have so many extra hit points, and now I have to worry about having it, or I have to worry about special effects that add a little bit of temp HP here and there. It's it's much more... It just... It's a lot less to juggle than all of that. And so it keeps the pace up in a way that I really think D and D could use in its worst moments. I've had rounds of combat in that game that will last close to an hour. That is unheard of when you're playing a savage worlds game minutes at most. Yeah. Cause there's always like, it's always really cool when it happens, but there, there are always those players in D and D where like they have like this combo that they've thought out like for weeks and like the perfect situation arose and like, man, this turn's going to take forever because they've got like <laughs> 16 different things that they're going to do before. Like it, they start even working on their bonus. I'm just like, uh, like this is really cool, but also I'll play the game <laughs> exactly. or I'm playing a game. Like my last D and D session we had, uh, seven plus dm so it was eight people total man mm-hmm. getting around that table plus that the dm turns, it took forever <laughs> so like most of the time like while someone else is doing something there are like side conversations happening all around the table of like everyone sitting next to whoever they're sitting next to being like hey so and like no one's really paying attention except for the exactly. dm who has to um and it's like, it's, I feel like, oh, it'd be it'd, it'd be so much nicer if things were a little bit snappier um, in that aspect. Absolutely. If you're looking for snappier combat, but still with the the depth that you would want in a, a 
not necessarily tactical game, but a a map based. You can use maps in this combat if you want to, or you can do theater of the mind. Just sort of imagine where everything is. You mm-hmm. again, you can kind of get out of it what you put into it. But it is it it is snappy and and fast and loose. But you still you still get to make choices. You still get these these edges that give you different abilities and you can still build things. You can find synergies like you can in D&D, like you're talking about, where someone gets really excited that they have these different abilities that work together now. But in this game, that means you you are extra good at this role and you can kind of do that, feel really cool about it and then move on as opposed to really having to make sure you balance everything and really interpret everything correctly. You can just kind of move quickly. That's very nice. Yeah. One other way that this game kind of simplifies things and but but keeps them flexible and customizable is with powers that are sort of a catch-all for spells or sci-fi devices or any other sort of unique ability that would kind of fall into that category of beyond normal physical abilities that you'd have. You Mm -hmm. have these things called powers, which most of the time you'll have those by taking an edge that specifically gives you some. There are, you know, arcane powers. There are divine powers. There are sci-fi, like science powers. But at the end of the day, they also boil down to you pick a spell from a list or you pick these powers from these different lists. And then it just costs a number of power points to cast them. And I'm not talking about Microsoft. I'm just talking about one little bank of numbers and it's just one number to keep track of. That's how many power points you have left. Microsoft made a bank. Microsoft. I mean, Microsoft makes bank. Don't get it twisted. They do make bank. Yeah, no, they do. But that's not what we're talking about here. That's fair. But yes, but you, you just get one pool of power points that you can spend on a spell. Each spell costs a different number. And a lot of spells also have different effects you can add to things. You know, you can power up an offensive spell and make it do a little more damage, or you Mm -hmm. can add extra efficiency to a social spell to make it more likely that it'll work or to get more information out of someone. If you're reading their mind or something like that, you, there are a lot of ways you can add little extra effects. If you want to put more spell points into it, there aren't spell levels. You don't have different leveled spell slots. You don't have to worry about having a level three instead of like a level four that you need to cast this other thing. As long as you have the points for whatever spell, you are not limited by your level. You're just limited by how many power points do you get? How What's your maximum? And then what can you spend that on on your turn? That's pretty interesting. That actually sounds really nice. Yeah, and you you get more points for yourself by just taking the edge again that gave you those power points. You can just take more of them as you rank up, and it's a pretty seamless way to grow in power as this power caster, but not have to worry about these very specific class abilities or anything like that. You don't have to worry about levels of spells and, and things like that. You just, if you want to become a more powerful spellcaster you take more power points and then you can invest more of them into a turn and do more cool stuff with it. Hmm. That's really neat. Yeah. That's, those are the main big bullet points I wanted to talk about with this game. But the, again, just mostly what I appreciate about it is the flexibility of it. You can get as detailed or simple as you want it to. 
there are more sections in the book, obviously, about special combat actions. Like you can aim, you can grapple, things like that. There's rules for chases, traps, big group battles, social encounters, traveling rules, money rules. There's a whole list of different creatures and enemies that you can encounter that you can fit into different settings. There's a section in the back about advice on running the game, how to be a GM, things like that. And you can kind of pick and choose from that because, again, this is built to be general. There are types of games that it's kind of better at. It's it's really built, again, for that sort of pulp action, moving fast and hitting hard and kind of like an Indiana Jones style. You're not as worried about deep political intrigue and things like that. But there are a lot of ways you can frame up this sort of action game that moves smoothly. Okay. Yeah, that sounds that sounds very fun and, and like you said, smooth and just kind of fluid. That that sounds really satisfying. Yeah, I I will say I think I think this is a fair statement. I'm thinking back through my the number of times I've played all these different uh, tabletop RPGs. I feel like this is the one that I most appreciate the balance between the the ease of access. Like you can you can have pre-generated characters that you can put in front of someone and they can understand it pretty easily, more so than a D&D character. You don't have to explain all these different boxes on your sheet. You just kind of have to look at, OK, here's your basic traits. Here are a couple things that make you special. Go for it. You don't have to worry all that much about inventory unless you want to. Again, mm-hmm. you don't have to worry all that much about very specifically worded abilities that only apply to your character and no one else, because most of the time someone's going to have an edge that's similar or somebody will have used that edge before or it's very obvious how to use it. And so it's it's a very approachable game. But at the same time, it's not so rules light. Like a, I know I've talked about things before, like lasers and feelings, where it's just you just have a couple core traits and that's it. And you're just rolling one die. It's not so light as that, that you're just sort of skimming over things narratively and and playing things really fast and just story driven. There's still Mm -hmm. some there's a light bit of crunch. It's it's like one of those Nestle Crunch bars where it's it's a chocolate bar, but there's a little texture to it. There's a little bit of customization and very specific things that you can get into. You don't have to. Again, you can you can put things together pre- pretty easily. But in the middle of an intense situation, you feel like there are decisions you can make that are unique to your character, that are specific to the way you've built your character. Uh, and I, I really like that balance between those two things. Neat. Yeah. It's like a bunch of crunch, just a little crunch, not like a big yeah. one, but just like a little yeah. bit. Just a little, little tiny, barely audible crunch. Did you just try to do a barely audible crunch because it was not audible at all? Oh, damn. Uh, I did, but it, I guess it was not audible. <laughs> sponsored by. <laughs> we're not, I'll, we're I'll not edit it in post. I'll add a really loud crunch sound effect. <laughs> oh, I want the I want the the Minecraft eating sound. Yes, just the the sound of someone biting into an apple really loud and crunchy. Um, hey, future James, you don't have to do that if you don't want. If you're if it's late at night and you're editing this, don't worry about it. You've yeah, got my permission. <laughs> take a nap. It's all right, dude. You yeah. got this. I believe in you. Go 
Go to sleep. What are you doing awake? It's two o'clock in the morning. Stop. You shouldn't have been playing video games until the deadline. Go <laughs> go do something else. I, I don't blame you for playing video games until the deadline. That's what I do with all of my deadlines. <laughs> that's that's what deadlines are. It makes them more fun. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but but yeah, in summary, the 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 game, the game's fun for whatever level of difficulty you want it to be and however you want to set it up in the the times I've played it again. There's been, you know, Pokemans where I was a player, Deadlands where I run it. There was also a sort of zombie apocalypse kind of horror action game that was a test drive for this system, which was the first time I ever played it. I couldn't actually find it again when I was looking it up so I I could name it. I think Mm -hmm. it might be The Wild Hunt, but Mm. I can't say that with confidence because it didn't look familiar, but that Mm -hmm. may be the one. But it is this sort of uh, supernatural, spooky... Um, but but still kind of pulp action like you've got shotguns to deal with the zombies kind of thing mm-hmm. and that it, every time i've ever played it it was pretty easy to pick up in fact every time i've ever played it i was playing alongside at least one person who hadn't played a game like it before who was new to the, the tabletop rpg thing and it was it was surprisingly easy for every one of those people to just sort of get into it once you take about five minutes to explain, here's how the game works. Here's how these characters work. Here's a pre-made one. If you don't want to make your own, we can just get into it. And I actually, that in that first uh, test drive, there was a moment where my brother actually, who I think had not, had maybe played a game like this one or two times before, but was new to this, had a very cool moment where the dice exploded like we were talking about earlier. I believe he was rolling a D4 and he just rolled four and then four and then four and then four. And he was he was trying to do something very basic that he wasn't very good at. And he ended up, I think they were in a shed and he just fully collapsed a wall of the shed instead of trying to drill a hole in it like he was trying to do. And it, <laughs> it worked perfectly in the situation and it was one of those like this is goofy and fun and we're we're kind of taking the 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 scary out of it a little bit because that's at the end of the day that's not really what this system and what this game is for it's mm-hmm. not for tension as much as it is for intense combat fast moving action scenes and engaging adventures in between that tie things together in a really comic booky sort of way and that's why I think you should play this game. It's just good comic fun. Yeah. I don't know if the audience can tell. I'm very tired. I listen. I'm also there. This has been a low energy uh, episode, I think. But it it fits. It's, it's fun. fine. Yeah. yeah it's, it's still a very cool concept and a, a very, very interesting idea. I'm, I'm very excited to get to play this system eventually. Hopefully someday me and you can like set up something or I can bug a DM enough to where they're like, fine, I'll play something other than D and D. Yeah. I mean, that's the goal. I'd love to run a game of this again in whatever setting works. Um, but yeah, I, I just really think it's a, a system worth checking out. Yeah. I've talked about it before in the different games I've brought to the table, and I realized I never really talked about the underlying design of why games powered by this system are are so much fun. And I, I think that that's about what I've covered here is just it's it, it's a good in-between of fast and loose, but also 
engaging enough to keep things moving along and interesting. Hell yeah. Oh, and check it out. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, speaking of checking things out, we're on Twitter. That's not news to anyone. No, but we are. And you can check us out. YSPTG at uh, underscore pod at on Twitter at on Twitter. Yes. At on Twitter. I'm not at calling it YSPTG underscore pod. Everyone knows what Twitter is. Yeah, no one knows what X is. Everyone knows what Twitter is. But that's a conversation we can't keep having or I will literally lose my mind. Um, yeah, check us out there. And then also <laughs> tweet at me for my famous burrito recipe and tweet at me for top 10 best ideas for how to sabotage a famous burrito recipe. It's a list I'm working on right now. And I think I'm, I'm really proud of how it's turned out. I can't wait to see the fruits of your labor. Fruit is actually one of the best ways to sabotage a burrito. So I would look out for that one for sure. Beans are the musical fruit though. The more you eat, the more you toot. It's the fruits of my labor. They are. You can't lie to me. I'm a bean scientist. I know what I'm talking about. They're legumes. That's why they call me the bean counter. (laughs) What? It's time for both of us to go to bed. I've been James. (laughs) I've been Allison. (laughs) We're very sleepy. And we will will talk to you all later. (laughs) M.E.P.